are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks on Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locks on Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle and of course thank you for making lockdown diamondbacks your first listen every day i would not be doing this podcast without you the listener sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you but what are we discussing on today's pod well we got an update from the mlb lockout so we're going to be discussing the counter proposal by major league baseball then i want to talk a little bit about the potential for robot umpires to Make it to the MLB level because we've got an update on robot umps as well. And also just want to discuss the MLB's willingness to cancel games this upcoming season if it gets to that because of the lockout. So we got a whole bunch I want to talk to you guys about on today's pod. So let's jump right into it. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Dimeback still here. And I first want to talk to you guys about, I want to open up segment number one by talking about the potential for robot umps coming to Major League Baseball. Yes, Angel Hernandez, his days may be numbered because we might finally, what we've been asking for, an electronic strike ball system. This is what we've needed. Take the human error out of baseball because robot umps are coming to the triple A, I believe, this season. So we're going to see this performed and instilled on the highest level to really see the cracks and the flaws with the system, the pros and cons with the system. We're going to see it in the AAA, our highest level of baseball. And just think about that transition for a little bit, how it's going to be when you call up these guys from AAA. Because a lot of players, a lot of teams are stashing dudes in AAA. Or there's a lot of players who just, you know, those quad those quad A players that we discussed who are like better than AAA players but not good enough for the major league. Like those are the guys who spend a lot of time going up and down. So it's going to be a weird transition, I think, for those guys because they're going to be used to the strike zone one way, and then it's going to be a, a totally different experience when they get to the major league level. I would love to see those guys split to when they get called up and down. Obviously, a lot of that's just going to be affected by the level pitching they're going to see, the difference in the level of pitching they're going to see, but I would like to just interview those guys and talk to those guys when they get called up and down because I would just love to hear their perspective 
perspective of how their experience has changed if they think they have a better command of the strike zone now that they know it's consistent in the minor league level i wonder if it's more difficult for them to adjust once they get to the majors because now it's like now we got some you know random dude behind me calling balls a strike where i was in the minors and they were getting it right so i would love to see the player's perspective once we get enough information out on how they perceive the electronic strike zone versus the regular umpires which do they actually prefer i think those are all really interesting questions so i I i'm really curious to see what those quad a players say who usually go up and down a few times during the major league baseball season but We've seen robot umps in baseball for a couple of years now because the independent Atlantic League started this in 2019. Thank you, Atlantic Atlantic League, for getting the ball rolling on this situation. But this is something that should have always been in place because it is it is absolutely dumb that we know what a ball of strike is because we watch it on TV. They literally show us replays of the strike zone where we can see exactly where the ball came through the strike zone, at what angle, how fast, but yet even though we have all this information, we can't apply it. You can't even challenge what's a ball of strike. You can have your manager and go out there and rip the head off the umpire and let him scream in his face for 10 minutes, but that's not going to do anything. And in the end, it might get your manager ejected. And now you're actually at a disadvantage of a ball club. And hey, I'm all for my manager getting thrown out in a ball game. Sometimes it's fun, especially when you're covering a team like the D-backs, who always feel like uh, they need a little bit more fight. They need a little bit more fire in them. Whenever I can see Tori Lavello going out there and fighting for his players, that's always a good time. And I, I think that's always a positive when a manager does it when it's time to do it, if a manager's doing it, you know, every third game after every fifth ball or strike call that could have gone either way, then it gets a little repetitive and it's a little too much. But I do like my manager going out there and yelling, but you can't even challenge or ball or strike call. You can challenge whether someone's safe or out, but you can't call uh, whether it's a ball or strike. And guess what? There's a lot of times where it might be bases loaded, where it might be someone on third Bottom of the ninth, you got one of your best hitters at the plate, and the ball's off the 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 ball's off the plate. The pitch is off the plate. The pitch is down at the knees, and the the pitch could be up at the shoulders. And what does the umpire do? He strikes out your batter. Ball game is over, and you feel robbed as a fan when we shouldn't feel robbed because we can get the answer right. We can get the call right, and it shouldn't be determined by human error. And I just felt like this postseason, uh. Does anyone else feel like this? Comment to me, reply to me, shout out me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 if you feel this way. But I felt like the umpiring this postseason was especially terrible. I mean, when I think of the Red Sox-Rays series, when I think of the Dodgers versus Braves series, I mean, there were some brutal calls in both of those series and multiple playoff series. I mean, I didn't watch every game of the playoffs. You know, shocking, I didn't watch every game, but... There were some brutal calls throughout this postseason, and it just doesn't have to be this way. Sports are just better when the refs are less involved. Like, that's not really a hot take. I'm not, I'm not sure there's anyone who's like, hey man, I'm really, I'm really trying to see uh Sean Hockley call 10 holding calls tonight. Like, that's really want to see. I really want to see Angel Hernandez just get his head ripped off by my entire lineup because he's been pretty inconsistent all day with the balls and strikes. Like, who wants that? No one wants to see refs more involved in sports. So if we can take the refs out of baseball a little bit, why not do it? Why not get the call right? If MLB is worried about the home plate umpire fixing games because now that sports betting is legal, we're seeing teams 
add sports books to their stadiums. Like if baseball was in any way worried about maybe a potential Pete Rose situation, I guess, with an umpire. Well, that also curbs this. Like, there's a bunch of different benefits, not just from the fan standpoint, not just from the player standpoint, but you can also see how the league would benefit because now all of a sudden you can definitely curb that potential for heinous acts to be going on during your ball game, which I'm sure sports do not want to get involved with the illegal side of sports betting. They do not want to see any controversies. It will diminish their league. It will take credibility away from their league. So they're doing everything they can to make sure their referees and people who are involved with the game aren't doing anything heinous when it comes to betting. And this would just be another way to do that. We don't have to take umps completely out the game, but if we don't, have to leave it up to human error, then why should we exactly? Replay has hurt sports like basketball because there are just too much stoppage at the end of games. And it just takes the drama out. Like how many times have you turned on? And I'm sure a lot of you guys are Suns fans. How many times, especially, okay, I got a perfect Suns game for you guys because guys, you guys know probably at this point that I'm a huge basketball fan. I remember there was a game, it was like game five or six, Suns versus Clippers in the postseason last year, where I think the last five minutes of the game took like 45 minutes of real time because they had to stop and check and replay every play that happened at the end of the game. By the end of it, you're like, this could have been a fantastic ending drama field and we were headed toward that. But because of so much stoppage of play, it just it just cuts the tension, basically, and it takes the drama out of it. So this will also be a system where you kind of take the drama out of it because there's not going to be anyone complaining on Twitter if you have an electronic computer telling you what's a ball or a strike. There is no arguing There is no arguing with that. Not sure when we'll be able to see this on the MLB level, but seeing it sooner is better than seeing it later, I guess. And also... After balls or strikes, like, let's also let computers decide safer out. Now, I don't know how quickly that could be done in terms of a computer actually deciding if someone's safe or out, but maybe you put a tracker in the ball. Maybe you put a tracker in the glove to make sure, so, so you know when someone gets tagged. Like, I don't know what the solution is, but I'm also down to uh, take it even a step further with the electronic umps. Like, make it safer out, make it balls and strikes. Like, the whole game should be electronic. If we can get the answer right and we could do it in like three seconds or less, why not? Human error was cool in the 50s, but I'm a big proponent of getting the call right. Now, we'll discuss the MLB lockout counter proposal and MLB's willingness to cancel games in segment number two and three. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar because this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good. It's not chalky or waxy or tastes like a chemical spill like some other protein bars. It's covered in 100% real chocolate. It's soft. It's easy to chew. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Great for the keto diet. I absolutely love the mint brownie bar because it's like a thin mint cookie, but a little brownie and a little chocolate. Absolutely delicious. If you want your own taste, just go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com.
All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast. Ooh, hold on. Ooh, got a little golden hour right now. If you guys are watching on YouTube, ooh, that boy in the light right now looking good. But let's get back to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast because I want to first start with the counter proposal and will be lockout stuff. But I think I'm going to start here. Just a little quick, uh, a few quick thoughts for you guys because there was a report recently that MLB is willing to cancel games if we get that because of the lockout. We don't know how long it's going to be. It keeps dragging. So MLB is willing to cancel games. And if I'm the MLB Players Association, I'm seeing that as a threat from the league. And you should. And how can you not? The MLB has come back and said, no, our comments have been mischaracterized and misrepresented. No, you said what you said. You're in a lockout. You guys are negotiating right now. And it was a negotiating tactic. That's all right. Just own up to it if you're baseball. Of course, the billionaires can afford to eat the revenue. Like, if you're, like, I don't even think I have to explain that. Like, of course, if you're a billionaire, you can afford the gate revenue and whatever expenses you would have to pay out of pocket for game days. But if you're a player, especially a younger player, especially, especially a minor league player, those guys are struggling as it is. Those guys are already getting paid, you know, not, you know, minimum wage, something normal or equivalent to that, like, These minor league players are already not making a lot of money. These younger players are already not making a lot of money. And now you're just going to start cutting paychecks because you feel like you can. Like, this is a threat by the MLB because you're basically saying, hey, it's all right if no one gets paid. We can handle it. We don't really care. Well, I'm sure the Players Association cares because they're not making the kind of money that the owners are. And didn't we just have a shortened season like two years ago? Like, why is MLB trying to hurt their product? Why are they trying to give us two out of three years where we're seeing less than 162 games? Like, if you're a baseball fan, I'm assuming you're crazy if you're watching those many games. But MLB is somehow trying to take away games from, basically at this point, if you're watching baseball, you're not a casual fan. And baseball just kind of wants to hurt the fans that are not casual fans. I'm trying to think of what the opposite of a casual fan would be, but I guess an obsessed fan because most baseball fanatics are obsessed with baseball and baseball. The MLB right now is like, hey, let's just take away regular season games. I'm sure those obsessed fans don't want to actually watch the sport. Like, I'm sure they're rather just nothing go on at all times, 24-7. I'm sure that's more fun for those obsessed fans. Like, why is baseball doing this? We had such a good momentum during the offseason, and yes, I know, it was mostly due to the impending lockout, but still, After this lockout ends, we're going to have momentum once again because then all the free agents have to get signed. It's going to be an insane rally to sign a bunch of these guys before the season starts. So MLB, they just continue to hurt themselves. They just continue to shoot themselves in the foot. They act like they act toward fans like they're doing us a service by allowing us to watch baseball. Like they, they make it sound like a privilege and a right that we get to watch baseball. They, they, I just hate the way MLB treats their fans. And most of the time, you can't even watch the game because it's probably blacked out. I tried to watch the Suns game last night on YouTube TV, and guess what? It was blacked out in this area. So MLB needs to find a way to end this lockout, get you know, come to some agreement, some compromise with the players because they continue to shoot themselves in their foot. And this is just another instance of MLB doing that. So let's actually get to the lockout now because the two sides, they had like a two-hour meeting on Monday. The union countered the proposal MLB submitted two weeks ago. That was yesterday. I think the MLB did a little 
proposal, counter proposal of their own today. So let's get into some things that were discussed in the last two meetings. And one of them is the MLBPA, the association, the Players Association, no longer seeking to tie free agency to players' age. Excuse me. And that's probably the right thing to do. Like, just because you're 28 shouldn't mean you're a free agent. Like, it, it should kind of be based off experience in Major League Baseball just because everyone graduates at different times. So I kind of agree that that was probably not the sticking point you want. But let's actually get into some big pillars because there were basically three big pillars coming out of these discussions. And we'll start with number one. MLB agreed to the union's proposal of a bonus pool for players in their pre-arbitration years. Bonuses would be awarded to players who finish in the top 30 in war. The MLBPA is seeking a $105 million pool while the MLB countered with $10 million. So that right there, I mean, even though the MLB agreed to do a pool, uh, a bonus pool for young players, like they're still way apart when it comes to money, like basically 95 million apart. So we're still gonna have to have further discussions there. But I can't believe we're actually gonna pay pre-arbitration players based on war. I just think that's a little bit ludicrous. And I got a longer rant on war coming later in this podcast. But I don't know why the players would want this because, because if a dude is having a great season and he has a great war, he might not get that extra money or he might get less than what he expected just because the MLB has to agree, the Players Association has to agree on which website, how they're going to define war. And a player might go on baseball reference and be like, look how good my war was. I was fifth in baseball and war among, you know, first year players. But then MLB is going to be like, yeah, you were, but that was baseball reference war. We're using fan graphs war here. And this says you're the 27th best player in baseball among young players. So the fact that this stat is just so non-repeatable and just different across different websites, I think it's going to cause problems and headaches for these players. I think they're going to end up not liking the fact that they're getting paid, getting paid based off war i'm cool with bonuses being based off awards accolades or hitting certain performance based criterias but to base it off war an arbitrary and convoluted stat just seems a little bit crazy to me so i'm not a huge fan of that one but if it's only for pre-arbitration players so i'm not going to go into a tizzy about it but i think the players could have done a little bit better in that situation so we got two more pillars coming out of this lockout discussion man i mean i don't know if i should lean back with this golden hour or just embrace and go all the way in it i feel like my eyes are absolutely popping the brown is absolutely popping right now but we'll discuss the next two pillars coming out of the lockout discussion for the mlb but first i want to discuss with you guys i want to talk to you guys not discuss with you i want to talk to you about BetOnline because this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts.
right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss these next two pillars coming out of the lockout discussion today because number two is, okay, number two is raise the minimum salary to 615000 for players with zero to one year's of service time. The league previously offered 600000 for players with one with less than one year of service time. The minimum salary was 570000 in 2021, and the MLBPA is seeking a 775000 increase. So I guess they wanted to raise the 775000 not tack on that amount of money to the 570000 already there. MLB did not change its proposal from a fixed $650,000 salary for players with one to two years of service time and $700,000 for players with two to three years of service time. So it's a lot of money discussion, and I don't really think I have a strong opinion on the money. Like, who, who really, personally, like, who cares? If the player, you know, with less than one year of service time gets paid on 600000 650000 700000 like, I don't think the salary is changing that much. Now, should it increase for inflation? Should it be, you know, ratio to inflation? Sure, because basically MLB, their counterproposal with the minimum was slightly higher or might have been even less than what it was in 2016. So should it just be raised based off inflation? Yes, but am I going to cry whether, you know, over a $30,000 difference? Like, I'm not. Like, the MLB minimum salary has already increased the last few years. It usually increases like 5000 a year anyway. So I'm not really going to cry about this. I think young players should get paid uh, more because they usually are underpaid anyway. They... MLB does a great job of using, what, five, six years of a player getting some of his best years in his prime and severely underpaying him. Like, that's kind of the MLB thing to do. So I do agree. Young players need to get paid quicker and faster. But I I, I don't know if I have a strong opinion on the overall how much they should get paid. Like, I agree with the players. Like, they need to get paid quicker, especially the younger players. They should see probably a little bit bump in their salary. But do I know how much of a bump? Probably not. Like, I think all that is going to be tough to decide between the two sides exactly how much the younger players should be paid. And they should be paid probably a little bit more and should be paid a little bit quicker. And this whole service time manipulation thing is absolutely ridiculous. But do I have a strong opinion on how much these players should get paid? No, because... Whether you're getting paid six hundred thousand or six hundred twenty-five thousand, I don't think it's making a difference in your life. The third pillar coming out of this proposal, MLB dropped its proposed changes to the arbitration system. The owners previously proposed re, previously proposed that they replace the arbitration system with the pay-for-play system. Sorry, it's a lot of words that kind of jumble my mouth a little bit, a little bit of a tongue twister there. But this was basically. If you guys remember, MLB was saying, instead of arbitration, let's just pay players based off war. Like, that's what they're going to do with the pre-arbitration players. But MLB wanted to do that for the entire system. And I absolutely love that this has been dropped from the proposals. You do not understand how much I hate war. I can stomach the idea of paying pre-arbitration players based off war, but... Paying arbitration players based off war, I think, would have absolutely floored me. I just hate the stats so much because I just don't understand why war is so highly valued. Like, I get it. War, 
tries to quantify a player and tells you how much more valuable he is than the guy you could bring off your bench. But like, I, I just don't understand why it weighs so heavily in people's minds. Like when you look at, you know, MVP discussions, like the first number that they're referencing is usually Warren. Is that just because it's an indicator overall of trying to quantify how good a player is? It probably is, but I just think we rely too much on it. We weigh too heavily on it now. Players are literally going to get paid based off war. Like the Angels, all right? I think, I think the Angels are going to win the same amount of games with the replacement player or not, with Mike Trout in the lineup or not. Like the Angels' fortunes haven't really changed with Mike Trout in the lineup. And of course, it's not all on one player. But I don't think the Angels franchise uh, has, I don't think the Angels franchise is any different with a replacement player in their lineup than Mike Trout nowadays. Now, of course, I would love to see Mike Trout on a real team. The Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, someone where he can actually win games because I want to know what that guy performs like in the postseason. We cannot call Mike Trout the GOAT until we see what he does in the postseason, but that's a rant for the for another day because right now he only has one career postseason hit. Fun fact, I would rather look at the raw numbers myself to determine players' value than war. I just, man, war just makes my skin crawl. Like Wade Miley was fifth in war among pitchers according to ESPN. And even though he had like one more start, does anyone think he was better than a Freddie Peralta or a Logan Webb this year? Like he has like two more wins or I guess points. I don't even know how you would quantify it or explain it. But his war was like a 5.9. Like Freddie Peralta was like a 3.9. Logan Webb had the same thing. Like you're telling me you're going to add two more wins to my team if I have a Wade Miley instead of a Freddie Peralta or Logan Webb. Like that absolutely makes no sense to me. So it's just one of the big reasons why I hate war. And those were pretty much the, I know it was a kind of weird way for me to end it, but those are pretty much the three big pillars coming out the lockout discussion. I'm not sure when these two sides will meet again. Um. Assuming it'll be very soon, but we are getting dangerously close to spring training and we still seem so far apart in a lot of areas. And there's still so many different things that we have to discuss. Like, are we getting the universal DH? Like, I have not heard that talked about at all in these lockout discussions. Expand postseason. I have not heard that brought up at all during these lockout discussions. I have not seen any tweets by Jeff Passan or John Heyman. So I'm still thinking it's going to be a while before this lockout is uh over and if i had to put money on it if i had to go to bet online i might wager that we lose some spring training games now i wouldn't yet say this the the start of the regular season is in jeopardy even though it definitely is i'm not i, I wouldn't bet on us canceling the start of the regular season you know the first few games or whatever but i would probably bet on us canceling the first couple of weeks of spring training or something like that so Hopefully this lockout ends soon because we all want to see baseball back. We all want to return to free agency because the offseason was popping before this lockout. And I know we all want to get back to that point. So please, baseball and the MLBPA, please come to an agreement. And please, someone just compromise and concede in these negotiations. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Shout out to everyone who tuned in today. Come back tomorrow for more Lockdown Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be doing this podcast without you, the listener. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And of course, as always, please, please, please stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!